I want to begin this morning in this new year by thanking you for your commitment to Christ and his church. So many of you have been faithful in not just attendance. You've been here uh, faithfully, certainly there, but also in your giving and in your serving and in your sharing the love and the message of Jesus Christ with people that you encounter in all walks of life. And I really, really appreciate that. As a pastor, you need to understand this. That's not typical in many churches, in our community, and in our nation. And I, as pastor, am just overwhelmed and overjoyed when I look out and I see so many of you who are faithful, faithful. You, you, show, you are an encouragement to others, sometimes simply by being here. But beyond that, you give, you serve, you share, you witness, you love. And that's an encouragement to me as well. And so I wanted to start this new year by letting you know how much I appreciate you and the opportunity to serve alongside you. Because you and I both know the truth is not everybody shares that same level of commitment. And even those of us who have that commitment, sometimes the commitment kind of goes up and down. It kind of changes uh, with the seasons. Many people will readily admit, and, and this, is, you know, this is a time where people start their resolutions, right? They, they make this new commitment, these new decisions for a new year. And on the top of the list, hey, is I want to I I get closer to God. I want to be more involved in the life of his church family, the church. I want to be connected. And a lot of people start that way, and it's really good. But like so many other commitments that we make, wow. It's so easy to get off track. I'm not going to ask you to. It would be interesting just to kind of go around and interview people for the resolutions that you've made so that everybody in the room could hold you accountable to that. Uh, but then again, I'd have to tell you that, uh, you know, I've, I've resolved to, to uh, get a little, eat a little more healthy in the year. And, and you might stop bringing me donuts. <laughs> so let's not go too far here. Let's get back to the subject matter. Let's talk about what it means to be faithful in the life of a church. Now, I've contacted church members from time to time and, and asked them, people who were once active, and asked them, you know, what happened? What, what's going on? And, and listen, there are lots of reasons that are given. Sometimes it's some personal thing that they've had with someone else in the church. Uh, very often I get, you know, things like, oh, I don't feel like I'm being fed or uh, a lot of times it's the uh, grandchildren, you know, my, my grandchildren in this church. And, and if you didn't know this, grandchildren can be really small, but they have a lot of gravity. You may have seen that. I mean, they pull, pull the grandparents to those kids. And listen, I, I, I'm not in the business of coming down on anybody for any of the reasons. But some of the reasons that really break my heart as a pastor is when I hear I really don't think that being a part of a local church is that big of a deal. I can pray on my own. I can read my Bible on my own. And there are lots of preachers on television and lots of preachers on the Internet. I can really kind of do this myself. I don't need organized religion. I don't need 
the local church. And when I hear that, it breaks my heart because what they're saying is, I love Jesus, but I really don't care for his bride. I want Jesus, but I really don't want his body. I want to kind of make this up and, and do this on my own. Now, theoretically, certainly, a person can be a Christian, but not be a part, not be connected to a local church. Theoretically, that's possible. We can go to the thief on the cross and recognize he never attended a worship service anywhere. And yet, he was a believer. So theoretically, it's possible. But theologically, when we open the pages of the New Testament and we begin to read what the church is and the call of every believer, theologically, a person who's a Christian will desire, want to, have a passion to be connected to a local church. In fact, I challenge you to read through the New Testament, read through Acts, read through the letters of Paul. It is a foreign concept in the Bible that a person will be a Christian and disconnected from the body of Christ. It's just not there. We are not called to be free-range Christians. We're called to connect, to belong. And so this morning, and and actually during the, the next few weeks, we want to talk about membership. And it's not intended to make anybody feel guilty. The whole point is to open God's word and let it shine its light into our lives to help us see what it truly means to be a member of the body of Christ. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Some of you will be doing that on pages like this. Some of you will be doing that electronically. Really doesn't matter, but I'd love for you to be able to bring your Bibles each week. This may be an opportunity for you to make some notes, for you to kind of highlight a passage, indicate something on there so that you can go back and find it later and and let God continue to speak his word. You don't just get it from me. You have the ability because of the Holy Spirit in you, you have the ability to understand what God is saying to you as well. And so I want to just encourage you, open up God's word. Let it speak to you. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to begin with verse 12. We're going to go all the way to the end of the chapter now, we're not going to be able to cover everything verse by verse, but I, I want to point out some, some, some really key truths that will come out of this. So if you've got your Bibles, look here with me, beginning in verse 12. For as the body is one, and it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? The whole body were an ear. Where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in one body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now there are many parts, yet one body. 
So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. And those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we clothe with uh, close these with greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have a better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the other members rejoice with it. Now you, now you, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And if God has placed these, and God has placed these in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, managing various kinds of languages, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles? Do all these, do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in other languages? Do all interpret, but desire the greater gifts. And then he begins what we will know and in, in, in re- reference here in a few minutes. Uh, he moves into talking about the foundation, the lifeblood of the church. And he says, I'm going to show you an even better way. And so we're going to stop right there. That's, that's a lot to digest just for today and see what God has to say for us. So first of all, let me, let me just begin by just sharing these truths with you because I think it'll be helpful. The first truth is this. Membership means that we're all necessary parts of the whole. Membership means we're necessary parts of the whole. And so Paul now, in, in, in what we've read, and, and this is not the only place, Paul gives a human body as an illustration of what it means to be part of the body of Christ, the church. Now, why does he use this illustration? And I think there are two reasons. First of all, he uses this illustration because all of us have bodies. In other words, we can, this is something we can easily relate to. Jesus did it as well. When he told parables, he would go out and, and perhaps he'd see a farmer sowing seed. And he would begin to teach a truth by saying, hey, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And everybody knew exactly what he was talking about. And so Paul is taking the same approach here to help us to understand what it means to be part of the church. He, we all have a body. And listen. If you've ever taken any time, most of us don't stand too long in front of a mirror. And the older I get, the less long I want to stand there. One of the reasons, of course, is I have less to worry about with my hair. I don't have to worry about where my part line is anymore. So I can spend less time in front of a mirror. But you don't have to spend a lot of time to recognize that from head to toe, from left to right, right to left, all these parts of your body are a little bit different. They're not all the same. You're not just one large body part. Your body is made up of many different parts, and these different parts have different functions. They do different things. And it's amazing how they can all work together. Each one of these parts are important. Now, could you get along without body parts? Certainly. I don't think any of us are in line to discard body parts. But could you get along without an eye? Sure. Could you get along without a limb? Absolutely. Could you get, get by without a kidney? Sure. There's certain parts of the body that you could do without if you had to. But none of us are in line to do that. None of us are volunteering to discard body parts. 
Because we recognize what Scripture teaches is that each part of the body is important. It has its function. And even though you could get along without something, the body works best when all the parts are functioning together. When they're all present and they're all working together. And so Paul uses the body, first of all, to help us to understand what it means to be a part of a church because we all have a body, so we understand that. But the second reason he does it is because this is the perfect picture of the church, the body of Christ. Look around. It's easy to see that each of us is different. No two of us in here are exactly the same. And even if you had a twin and your twin was here, you may look alike, but you're not all the same. You have different experiences. You have different gifts. You have different skills. You have different passions. We're all different. And the beauty is that God did that on purpose. And the body helps us to understand that this is exactly how God intended for it to be. Scripturally, Each of us is an important part of the body. And then you may look and go, you know what? I I can't do what some other people can do. I can't sing. I can't, I'm I'm not a good teacher. I'm not good in front of people. You know, I'm I'm shy, I'm reserved, I'm introverted. Whatever, you may may look at that and go, oh, there's just, there's there's no place for me. I don't don't know that I could fit in the body. I don't know that there's any, any, you know, nothing I can do. I'm like the unnecessary appendix in the body of Christ. Well, appendix is necessary, isn't it? No, it's not. So there's at least one body part we could do away with, but I can promise you this, you're not it. You may think I'm an appendix, but you're not. God designed you to fit. God designed you to be important. God designed you to be a part. You belong to the body, and your presence and your functioning is necessary for the body to work. And that leads us to the second truth I'd like to share with you this morning, and that is that membership means that we're different but made to work together. We're different, but we're made to work together. Notice again, beginning in verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. The whole body were an eye. Where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. In other words, God has a plan. And that plan includes you. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? There are many parts, yet one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker They're necessary. So what we're seeing here is it's not just that we're all made unique. It's that we're made unique for a reason. And that reason is so that we can function together. That is one of the beautiful things about this church family, Grace Fellowship. 
We're not all trying to be the same. We're different, each one of us. And we celebrate that, that we're not all the same, that we don't have all the same backgrounds, that we don't have all the same skin color, that we're not identical. We celebrate the fact that what binds us together is far greater than those things that tend to separate people and that God can actually use that for his glory. To be able to show the power that he has to unite us all and to use us all in spite of our differences. Now you go, how does this all work? Let's think about just getting dressed. We won't go into great detail, but let's think about this for a moment. Most of us don't even have to think much about getting dressed. It's kind of routine for us. We may have to pick out what to wear. Um, you know, that, that may be an issue. But most of us, we kind of get up and the alarm clock goes off in the morning. And we begin that routine of getting ready for the day. We take a bath. We take a shower. We brush our teeth. We eat breakfast. We do all these things. We, we get dressed. We put on certain articles of clothing. We, we, we do it all. And we don't really have to think that much about it until something doesn't work right. You were trying to get that artificial tree back into the attic, pulled a muscle in your back. Now, even putting on your socks becomes a chore because that muscle you never thought about in your lower back that's been there, it's been functioning, it's been doing its thing, has decided it doesn't want to play today. And it's going to let you know every time you bend over, every time you lift something, every time you try to put on your socks or put on your pants, whatever it is, that it doesn't want to play. Now, your body can still function. You can still get dressed. You can still go. It's just not as easy. I'd written down, you know, hey, just break it an arm. But listen, you don't have to break an arm. You could bend a fingernail back. And it still hamper you. And so what, you're, what I'm trying to help you see here is what Paul wants us to see is that every part of the body is important for the functioning of the body. And those parts aren't there or they're there, but they're just there. <laughs> they're not functioning. That it really hampers the full use of the body. It's not how God designed his church to be. I want to add one other note here because I think it's important to say this. It's really hard to become a functioning part of the body of Christ if your only connection is in the worship service for an hour, hour and a half a week, once a week. That's really hard. And I want to encourage you to consider two things, maybe add to your list of resolutions for the year or maybe start your list of resolutions for the year. One is to get connected in a small group. This is really where you get to know people. It's where you can be you. You're not pretending. And people love you for who you are. They understand your, your trials and tribulations and they pray for you and they encourage you and they can help hold you accountable. It's really where you can get connected. It's hard to get connected if you're on the kind of the periphery and you're not in a group. And so let me just encourage you to consider that. And, and obviously we've got the small group fair coming up in just a couple of weeks, an opportunity for you to get connected. We've got two 
we got two new groups that are starting just next week, a, a young adult group and a median adult group. Um, and you can go to whichever one you think you fit in. But we've got two new groups that are starting just next week because we believe it's so important that people are connected that we're going to have to create groups in order to get people connected. And so I want to encourage you to put that on your list. This is what I need to be doing this year. Secondly, I want you to consider serving. And how many of you have been to Where's Valley or on a mission trip? Raise your hand. I want to see it. Ask any of these people who had their hands raised how this amps up your relationships in the life of the church when you're serving alongside other people. But it doesn't have to be on a mission trip. It doesn't have to be going to Where's Valley Ranch. It can be serving on a team of, of ushers, serving on a team in Powerhouse, serving on a team in, in the nursery. It can be serving on a, a team greeting, serving on a team in hospitality. Exactly. There are lots of places where you can connect serving through Celebrate Recovery. And what you find is once you begin to serve alongside other people, those relationships begin to deepen. And you desire to be there because you want to be with those people because they're connected with you and doing something bigger than yourself. It's part of being the body of Christ. That's what Paul's beginning to show us as he's talking about what it means to be a member. Let me go to the third one very quickly, and and I want to preface this by saying this is not, this truth does not come out of chapter 12. It actually comes out of chapter 13, but since the chapter divisions are man-made, not God-made, one flows right into the other. But this, the third truth is this, membership means that everything that we say and do is based on the biblical foundation of love. So up to this point, Paul has been talking about the functioning of the body of Christ. And if you've got some time, I'd encourage you to do this. It's a great exercise. Go back to your, your Bible and open up 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. These are two letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And I want you to read that looking for the issues that Paul is addressing in the lives of those Corinthian believers. This is a dysfunctional church in many, many ways. And one of the reasons it's dysfunctional is because within that church, there were groups of people who separated themselves. Remember, Jesus prayed for us to be one, but they were separating themselves. And one of the ways that they were separating themselves were by the gifts that each of them had. And some of them had gifts and they go, well, this makes us better Christians. You're kind of second class, but we're first class because we've got this giftedness. And they begin to divide themselves and so that's one of the reasons that Paul is making this, this, this teaching. He's, he's bringing this truth of what it means to be part of the church and the church is the body of Christ. It's one of the reasons he's doing that. Because he's saying, listen, you think that you're a big deal because you're a nose or an eye or a mouth. But let me tell you, you're pinky. You're a little toe. The parts of your body that are covered up and are never seen. They're just as important as anything on your face. Don't be thinking that you're better than they are. And so Paul is dealing with this, and then he moves directly into chapter 13. And we kind of reserve chapter 13 for the relationship between husband and wife. I use 1 Corinthians 13 
in, in teaching, in our pre-marriage counseling, also in marriages, I use that. I use it in marriage counseling. It's really important to read 1 Corinthians 13 to know what it means. But Paul is not using this in references to husband and wife. Paul is using this to talk to the church about how they ought to love one another. Because this is foundational. When you begin to, to focus on this, all those other things tend to fade away. And so this is what Paul says. This is in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. If I speak with human or angelic languages, but I don't have love, I'm a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and if I have a faith so that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, then I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast, in other words, give my body uh, over to the flames, if I sacrifice my body, if I give my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So what's his point here? He's saying, listen, you can do a lot of religious stuff, including giving, being generous, giving away. But if you don't have the heart of love, it doesn't matter much. It's not a big deal. It has no meaning. Love, then, is the key to functioning as the body of Christ. Why? Because love causes us to serve with joy. I hadn't changed a diaper in a long, long time. It was never real high on my list of things to do. I did it because I loved my child, not just because when Nancy came home, she'd be upset about it, but I loved my child. I wanted my child not to have that extra load of care wrapped around their waist. I did it because I loved them. We, when we love, we serve. Love causes us to embrace people even if they're different than we are. It's one of the wonderful things that I get to see is I get to see you guys out there hugging on each other and loving on each other. And that's a wonderful thing. People you don't even know. You go wrap your arms around. Love causes us to to embrace those people that we don't even know that are different than us. One of the beautiful things I've had an opportunity to go get involved in the jail ministry and to be here for Celebrate Recovery and so I can tell you, there's some people who are different than you. But what you see is just this overpouring of love, willing to serve and embrace those who are completely different than you are. Love calls us to join with others, to share the, the load of ministry. In other words, I, I see what, what we're doing together is important. I want to come put my shoulder to the load as well. And that helps lighten the burden for everybody. Love causes us to sacrifice for a higher cause. I'm willing to give not only my money, I'm get willing to give my time and my effort and my sweat equity because what we're doing is something bigger than me. Love causes us to forego our personal preferences in order to meet the needs of others. It's not just about what I want, what I feel like I need. I, I understand that I'm here for them, not just for, for me. Love is the lifeblood of the church. Love is the glue 
that binds us together. And it's the biblical foundation upon which our relationships are built. The final truth is this this morning, that church membership is active membership. Paul's whole illustration of, as, of the church as the body of Christ falls apart if the body isn't alive and functioning. Paul didn't say the church is the funeral home of Christ. He didn't say the church is the morgue of Christ. Listen, there are bodies there. And all the parts are connected on most of them. There's no life there. There's no service there. There's there's no joy there. There's no functioning. There's a term that we use kind of behind the scenes. We we have church members and they're kind of divided into active members and inactive members. Inactive members should always be an oxymoron. Those words don't belong together. There should never be anything called an inactive member member because each of us has a part to play in the body of christ i've referenced this many times and i'll continue to do so because it became a beautiful picture for me of what happens even when you're not able to do what you used to do and that is my grandmother when she was living in uh, she was living in public housing she was living off the social security she had very little income she was she was barely getting by but she had family and, and and she cared about them, and there were always you know she always loved us, but her love was bigger than that. And she decided, you know what, I can't get, I can't go anymore. I, I I'm 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 in this this little you know, three room apartment, and this is where I'm going to live, and this is where my life's going to be. And occasionally, you know, family's going to come by and visit me, and occasionally they'll get me out. But for the most part, I'm not going to be able to go and be part worship with my church family like I used to. I'm not going to be able to go and do the things I used to and go to Bible studies and, and go, to, go to meetings at the church. I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. So what can I do? And so she began to get the prayer lists, not only from her church, but the church I was pastoring there and her daughter's church. And she got those prayer lists. And every day she'd sit down and she would write out, get well cards to everybody on those prayer lists. And every week she'd send those out. And I would hear from people in my church, I got a card from your grandmother since she was praying for me. What I'm trying to say is that even when life changes happen, and they will, and even when limitations come on you, and they will, you never cease to be a functioning member of the body of Christ. You never become inactive. You're always an active member. Now, listen, there are lots of reasons people give for moving from active to inactive. Some of them sound better than others. But I want to tell you that my conviction is this. My conviction is that the major reason that active members become inactive is because they truly do not understand what membership in the body of Christ is. Church membership is not simply having your name on a church roll. Church membership is not simply about putting money in the offering basket when it's passed around. Church membership is not just about being here on Sundays more often than you're not here. 
Church membership is about a commitment to Christ and to his body. And the two aren't easily divided. It's about coming not to be served, but to serve. It's about connecting with the people of God rather than being disconnected from the people of God. And listen, membership is not about coming to be blessed. That's a byproduct. Membership is about coming to be a blessing. Suppose we begin to think like that. That it's not about me. But I am part of something bigger than myself. And so when I see someone who's hurting or I see someone who's lonely or I see someone who doesn't have many friends or I see someone I've never seen before, I recognize that I have a part, I have a role, I have a function as a part of the body of Christ to respond to that, to connect with that, to be part of that. President John F. Kennedy said, quite a few years ago now, a very famous line, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. It was a call to service and sacrifice and to forsake selfishness and self-indulgence. And I want to tell you that call from John F. Kennedy to a nation should be the same call that every pastor gives to his church. Ask not what Christ and his church can do for you. Ask what you can do for Christ and his church. Turn the equation around so that you're not on the other side of the equal sign. Make it less about you and more about Christ and more about his call in your life. This morning we stand ankle deep in 2016. We're barely getting our feet wet in this new Year And I want to ask you to consider joining me in pursuing a level of commitment, a new level of commitment, a deeper level of commitment to Christ, to the cause of Christ, and to his church. I want you to consider connecting with other believers, really getting into their lives. I want you to consider serving both inside the church because we need people to serve one another here, but also serving outside the walls. Don't limit it to just what can I do here on a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Thursday. I want you to consider loving those who are hard to love. Even in the church, folks, there are some who are hard to love. Love them anyway. I want you to consider sharing the good news of our Savior, Jesus. And you go, boy, I have a hard time doing that. I, 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 just, I, I, I trip over my own tongue. Uh, we're going to be putting and keeping out on the information table out there little tracks that you can pick up. And you can use those. And it can work. Just putting it in someone's hand or, or, or giving it with a gift or putting it with a tip. But even better, sitting, reading it yourself and being able to share it with someone else. Or, or share your own story. Your testimony is the most powerful thing that you have of how God came into your life and changed you. 
I want you to consider being intentional about blessing others. And I'm not necessarily talking about going through the drive-thru at Starbucks and paying for the person's coffee behind you. You can do that if you want to. What I'm talking about is doing it in a way so that Jesus gets the credit. Not random acts of kindness, but intentional acts of blessing in the lives of people around you. What do we do with this this morning after we've heard it? I want to give you some possible steps. You need to know, hey, what are the next steps for me? And perhaps for some of you, the next step is the first step. And that is to embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior and become a part of the life of His church. God's calling you to do that. And I want just to encourage you to follow His call. Where He leads, I'm going to follow. For some of you, that next step may be to reaffirm your commitment as a member. You're already a member and you're, you're kind of active, but you recognize, you know what? I'm not where God needs me to be right now. I'm not where God wants me to be right now. And I need to take that next step and say, okay, I'm going to make a renewed commitment this year to Christ and to His church to be active, to be fully functional within the body of Christ. And for some of you, it may be that you need to go to a deeper level of commitment to Christ and His church by joining a small group, by getting involved in ministry, volunteering to serve on a Sunday, volunteering to serve outside the walls, learning to share your faith, committing to to giving sacrificially of not just your money, but your time and your heart to people by getting involved. I don't know what God's call is on your life, but you do. There is no better time to begin than now. Not just because it's a new year, but because God's mercies are new every morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word. It is challenging for us because it moves us from where we are to where you want us to be. For some of us, it creates a crisis because we recognize that with a new commitment, with a greater commitment that It's going to take time and energy and thought and it's going to take a little discipline. But Lord, if you're calling us to it, you'll give us the strength to do it. And so Lord, I pray for those who need your son and they know they need your son. That they would come and embrace him as savior today. I pray for those who need to be in a church family. That God, if you're calling them here, that you would lead them to embrace that call. Lord, I pray for those who've been struggling to find a place to fit, Lord, that you would help them today begin to to realize that they are important in the body of Christ and begin to diligently seek that place of service, that place where they can connect with others. Lord, whatever it is that you're calling us to do, this is our moment, This this is the time. And we simply want to say yes and follow. You've given us a victory. A great victory in Jesus. A victory that we have, that embraces us. And a victory we can share. Lord, let that begin today. In Jesus' name, amen.